welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, uh, if we haven't met, my name's Micah. I'm the lead pastor here at Awaken, and I'm excited to introduce a couple of artists uh, this morning who will be sharing as a part of our Advent art series. Before I do that, though, I want to just mention and make note, uh, there are these cards on your table. If you're new around here, we're moving. Uh, March 1st will be the last time we worship here together, and March 8th is the first time we worship at our new location uh, called St. James across the river. And uh, we're, there's a little bit of a fundraiser happening for that. And so if you are uh, part of this community and giving to that, just important to note, uh, if you're planning to give but haven't yet, um, these cards are really helpful for us to kind of know what we're, what we're dealing with and what we're talking about uh, for purchasing and whatnot. We want to certainly be within, we want to be reasonable and um, lead to, uh, to the resources that are given. So if you could note that, that would be great. Uh, you can give by check or online for that, um, and, and that would be awesome. The other thing I want to mention before I introduce uh, Liz and Jeff is Jeff's piece over here. Uh, uh, there are prints made of that, and so if you're interested in any of the art, uh, certainly talk to the artist, but Jeff wanted to make note that this morning, uh, suggested donation is $30 for those prints. Uh, you can put that up here in this bucket, and he's donating all that to the St. James Transition, so that's pretty cool. Um, so if you want to adorn your home with that, those are over there. Uh, so I want to introduce Liz, uh, who is uh, speaking on behalf of her sister Sarah, who is ill this morning. But if you would welcome Liz. And then Jeff will be teaching and sharing. So here you go. Yeah, so the Liv says have all, I think, now have the flu. So she's really sad that she can't be here to read her piece with, for you all. But I get to do it. Hope for the darkest night of the year. Sometime when the night is so dark and the dawn feels ages away, lost in so many cares and worries, entangled, sleepless, and worn, you pull back the rumpled sheets, rise up from your bed, pull on boots and jacket, go out into the still, starry night, and look up. You stare into that light-studded sky, until one lone flame grows bigger and brighter, beckoning, and you know then that you need to set off. Trudging through the snow, you go looking for God knows what. You go with a burden to carry, for you have tucked things up in your sleeves and pockets, both treasures and burdens, hopes, fears, loves and losses, but you follow that one small alluring star even when the nocturnal walk seems to go on for days, months, or years. And you fear now you are finally and utterly lost. Eventually, when you reach a field or a spot that looks just like the rest, a cry rings out, that startling sound of one small babe in the night. And you know that you know that it was for this that you came. When you reach the place where he lies, you stop and look. His soft baby arms reach for you, for simple comfort. The burdens you have carried, carefully you place next to so many other treasures left before, so that you can reach out and pick up this child in your arms, and you hold him. You hold him under moon and morning star. You hold that precious one. You hold him. Later, when you find yourself back in bed and ponder all these things in your heart, you remember the feel of that little one asleep in your arms, and you feel deeper still, the lightness and the hope, the knowing that it is you who are being held.
Today, we invite you to consider the arrival of hope. Thank you. If we haven't met yet, I'm usually the tired guy staring out the windows back there at the ravine, <laughs> staring at trees and the river. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm chasing four kids around this space, all of whom are holding fistfuls of coffee stir straws. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. We're working on that. Often our uh, offering, the check in the memo line, it just we write coffee stir straws. <laughs> That's what we bring to the table, Awaken. <clears throat> if you haven't met uh, my wife yet, Jen, you should. She brings this uh, mix of humor and wisdom and patience to the table, which has helped me greatly, and is a, it's a big part of why I can get up here and talk about hope. Uh, before we dive in any further into this talk on hope, I just want to pause and say thank you to the leadership teams, uh, the vision team, all the volunteers that make all of this happen. Uh, giving week after week, filling spaces, walking into vacancies. Brand new life is happening in, in, in me and in my family on all kinds of levels because someone is continually hosting spaces for that life, setting the table, many of you behind the scenes. Uh, I just want to say thank you. And I'm sure in that role you have, there's... Um, you're getting tired in some way, I'm sure of it. And I just want you to hear today, thank you from uh, my family. So today, uh, a talk on hope. Uh, I made that print, as Micah talked about, and I'm speaking on hope today, and, my, and the message hopefully will um, speak to that work. And I just want to acknowledge I'm only 37. Uh, I'm still in process. We all are. Uh, Today, this talk on hope is me, a 37-year-old guy, an artist, wrestling, uh, wrestling this idea of hope and arranging words, trying to make something and share that. As people who create, as people in general, we move, we change, we grow. And Ten years from now, I may look back on this and, and, and say, you know, I, I see hope uh, a little bit differently from a different angle, a new understanding. And it might be in order to get that new understanding in 10 years that I need this current understanding and 10 years of experiences. That's what I love about Awaken. That's what I love about this community. It's, um, there's, there's space for that, to wrestle, to share it, to wonder, and to dialogue, ask questions and as we grow and are made stronger together. So today, this is not a lecture from somebody who's kind of cornered and caged the idea of hope. Um, today, this is your sibling, your brother, comparing notes, wrestling with the complexities of, of being here in this world. Some parts are really going to connect, and other parts maybe not so much. Maybe there's something today that you don't even agree with or you see another way, and I'd, I'd invite you to let that bother you all day. Uh, some of the best teachers are things that we disagree with because they create this tension in us we want to resolve. So I'd ask you to articulate why you see it another way in, in really great detail and um, let something grow in you in that process. Either way, I believe God wants to speak to each of us today, to grow new things in each of us. Uh, let's pray together.
God of hope, may we hear from your presence. May we hear from your spirit today. Grab some parts from last week, last month, last year. Grab parts from this afternoon and, and next month and weave something together. Touch our mind. Speak to us about what is real. Speak to us about what is true. Give us a new understanding of what hope is and what hope is not. Gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Hold us close, God, and show us hope. You can learn a lot about an artist by studying their work. Something about them shows up in their work, their, their character, their personality. Their passions find a way to leave something in their work, the way their mind thinks and their perspective. In studying multiple pieces of an artist, you begin to see similarities in brushstroke. One work informs another. You see this thing they accomplish every time in colors or, or direction of lines. It gets you thinking uh, and seeing new things that you would have missed if you were only looking at one piece without knowing this larger theme at hand. I do uh, design work. My design work used to be really messy and really grungy and worn back. Uh, I used a lot of sandpaper, and then I would scan that in, and it was grungy. And whenever I could, I would spill, literally spill coffee on the design, get coffee rings in there somehow, because I love the warmth of coffee and the authenticity of things worn back. Um, the idea of coffee being the centerpiece that people put in between each other, uh, bringing um, this idea of relationship. Now in my work, you'll see this idea of, of minimalism, of, uh, all this margin, all this unused space. I'm in a phase right now uh, where I'm craving margin. Um, and I'm inspired by and see the value in simplicity, not filling the space all the way, leaving some breathing room, less is more. The small things remaining have more impact. I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine finding a box that has an artist's journal in it. Seeing across all the words they scribble down, the concepts, the questions, there's this idea of bright, of positive that you see. Something lifting their head. In this box you also find all these letters written to the artist. Friends that other people, um, friends and, and, and other people s saying back to that artist what is true about them, what inspires them, what they know and see in their life, referencing conversations and memories. They all put their own spin on it, some mo more romantic than others. But in that collection of birthday cards and notes and letters, you notice the same character, the same quality they all reference, this bright positive take on things. It's there in their artwork as well. It shows up. Patterns of bright positive in their life that friends write about. Patterns of bright positive showing up in these messy journals. Pa patterns of bright positive showing up in their paintings over and over. And together, all these varied touch points speak to something larger going on behind all of this. A certain kind of character, power, energy, feeding all these recorded expressions. There is a presence behind the patterns. And something that makes no sense at all in the journal is brought to life by studying their paintings. Something that is a mystery or unseen in the paintings becomes something you can start to kind of comprehend, 
because of this repeating theme they keep writing about in their journal. Today, I want to lead a time of admiring and wondering about the artwork we find around us, in us, in trees, in weather, in breath. What similarities do we see across these varied works? What might we understand about the presence behind these patterns? Together with scriptures, love letters from from friends who wrote about this artist, notes on wisdom and movements across history, what is the heart and the character and the energy, the intentions of this artist? What what might we learn in this process about hope? Romans chapter 1 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood from what has been made. So the people are without excuse. God's invisible qualities, eternal power, being seen, understood from what has been made. I find it unfortunate that this verse often gets pushed off or deflected uh, for, for someone other than me. Uh, for those who don't believe in God, this is, that's a verse for them. So you, you should believe, it's clear. We categorize this verse f- for others, and we don't let it read us. I love the challenge this verse brings to those who believe in God. It's asking me, do I understand at all the invisible qualities of God because I'm seeing what God has made? When's the last time I just took an hour to lean into the woods, to stare at the patterns in fruit cut open, vegetables cut open, and and these crazy patterns inside those things. When's the last time I just took a minute or two to look at my own eye in the mirror? How that dark circle grows larger and smaller as I squint or shade the light. It responds to the light. All that messy and perfect color surrounds this black hole. It's terrifying, actually, if you stare at your own eye for like three minutes in the mirror. (laughs) This black hole is there, and we see, and our brain understands that, and we we see the wonder and awe of these things all around us. What is my rhythm for engaging what has been made and understanding more of the quality, the nature of this God because of those spaces of reflection. So much of the story of God, what is true, what is good, what's balanced, what's right and whole and wise, has found a way into and made markings on our surroundings. Trees, seasons, breath, being sustained by things that grow from the dirt, work and rest, day and night, light and dark, patterns of energy, and life. It's almost as if God was looking at this idea that scriptures would be recorded and retold and printed and was like, I, I better make a backup of this. How do you hook up to the cloud again? Thank you. <laughs> humans, humans are going to argue about translation. Some, some people won't have access to scriptures. Some people want nothing to do with reading the Bible because the only person they trusted who read it to them took advantage of them and it loops in their mind every single day. 
They live with that now. Someone representing that book to them used their power and position to manipulate. So part of healing for them is to create space from that book, from the club that that person goes to, from the brutal misrepresentation of the heart of that book and the God behind it. God was like, I better back things up. I better back up the main things. I better write it down again and again and again, everywhere and in everything, clearly seen, able to be understood from what I will make. So that people will know that something bigger is at play, something that is for them, sustaining, that they can know that they're not on their own. And this life and light wins. The dark doesn't stay. There is, in fact, hope. And backing up the story, God goes to work writing it down in how light pushes into the dawn, how fruit comes in season to sustain, and how it feels inside and what grows in you when you're the first to say sorry in a relationship. You see their guard go down. You see the new things grow in you and in them because you asked for forgiveness and you laid down your sense of power. And life grew in that space created because of that action. I am God, and I've written things down. I've written true things down everywhere. And invite you and every other human being, every second of existence that I sustain for you, to notice my work, to see it, to ponder it, ponder these things, and to choose to live in what's real what's true, to live in me. So much written down in the things around us. And across all of these varied works, we find patterns. What do we do every day? We lay down at the end of it. We start to see this on-off pattern, day, night, day, night. Our frame lays down flat. Exhausted, we say, this day is done. I am done. In the day we run all over the place and uh, then the light starts to fade. We tire out and we go to bed. And the body, the body repairs. The body recovers in the stillness, in the dark. Then every day we rise. There's this energy pushed into us. There's this new mercy, this activity which explodes from the space of doing nothing all night long. It's been storing up. There's this new light and new energy emerging into the day, and we walk into it not really knowing how the day will go, but I have strength for it because of the night. From laying flat, strength for the day because I was motionless, getting nothing done. Where does this new energy come from over and over and over again? There's a similar uh, brushstroke in this work as there is on a larger scale in the works of spring from winter. We see the same exact pattern, springtime, new things sprouting, pushing forward, continuing on after a frozen state of no progress, an inability to move forward in the stillness. These new things emerge from the dark, from the death. I'm 37, and this has happened all 37 years I've been here. Spring. The dark fades into light, a dead, frozen surrender gives way to all kinds of new life in the spring. We see this resurrection pattern across so many different works. Winter doesn't win. Dark doesn't win. Something keeps coming back to brighten, 
to rescue and make new. In this pattern, a, a power in life that doesn't stop making things new. We see these patterns of energy emerging, expressing and then recessing. Stillness. There's this life that's pushed into things over and over. Energy given, then rest. Energy given, then rest. There's a pattern. There's a pulse. We find this common brushstroke across multiple works. We see it in water. We see as waves swell and crash. And then there's a stillness. Water retreating, restoring the next crash. A swell is already in progress, building. And the shores, they speak of this pattern. People seek it out because the sound of it soothes us. The repetition taps into something we long for, something we're made for. Whether we're conscious of it or not, we long for this larger pulse to feed us, to order us, to be with us. We're constantly spinning in this pattern. We see the moon is full, it's on, it's bright, and then it wanes to a new state. No reflection at all, no light, it's dark. So much heavy material, always spinning, moving in this pattern. This pattern does its work, and light comes back on, waxing to a brighter state, and we see another full moon. Our heartbeat tells of this pattern, flexing and resting, pushing life forward, then not pushing. Resting makes up half of this rhythm that keeps us alive. Not flexing power half the time, not using the capable strength half the time is what's written in the vet life function. Our lungs, I need this oxygen in. We breathe in. Now get it out. Stop breathing it in. Breathe life in and let it go. Music is based on this emerging, recessing pattern, on, off. In the midst of music, the quiet rests are what keep it from becoming chaos. The quiet rests bring a beat, order, rhythm. The silence is just as important as the sound. Now, if you ever hear my kids on a piano, uh, it's not music yet. It's just continually banging the keys, bong, 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 and it's just chaos. No intentional stopping or beats of rest. That's noise. It's chaos. We see uh, this pattern in a butterfly, this pattern of on, off, on. The life of that caterpillar slowing to rest, letting go of what was, lying down, stillness, inside the chrysalis. Literally, inside the chrysalis, things turn to a mush, a complete breakdown, a death of what was, and, and somehow, from that mush, a way is made. Something new which gives way to flight, which is impossible and unseen from before, from before they let go and enter the stillness. Tree branches. Uh, look at this picture of tree branches. We see this on-off growth rest pattern. We see it growing in, 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 in nature, in trees. We see it in seasons of uh, like the summer of all this growth. We see these expressions, leaves, fruit, exploding off the frame, reaching and displaying a fullness. And then we see things fall to the ground. We see winter but we also see this on-off pattern within the tree branch structure itself. And again, on a smaller scale, in the structure of the tree, tree leaf, 
itself. A branch has these expressions which reach left from the main line. And then there is no reaching, a stillness. And then a reach right. Then a period of nothing, of not reaching. And then another, ex- another extension, reaching left. And all over the place, patterns of energy, light, life, emerging and recessing, arriving and dissipating. A pulse. Taking things in, letting it back out. A display of power flexing and then an intentional not flexing. Energy given and then not given so that I stay alive. Who is this presence behind the patterns? What is going on in that mind, that nature, that character, this source of life which gives what is needed over and over and over? I want to suggest this morning that hope has to do in part with trusting this presence behind the patterns. Trusting in this God behind these displays of power, behind this abundant energy given and given and given, sustaining things through this ongoing mysterious pulse we see showing up over and over in so many levels of the world around us. Trusting this God with my life and with the thousands and thousands of unseen contexts and outcomes ahead that we would find life-given. 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 An unfailing love. A way is made. A new thing is birthed. Light comes. Provision comes. Energy keeps coming back. Emerging and sustaining. So hope comes in part from trusting this presence behind the patterns. Knowing this God who's always making things new, who has enough energy for our situations ahead and invites me to live in the abundant abundance of this life today and forever. I think secondly, um, there's this component of hope which requires us to find these on-off patterns in us to engage the full spectrum of being here, to not always be on, to seek out silence, to engage stillness, practicing this idea of capable strength, intentionally not flexing, knowing the night, rhythms that include off, include rest, vacancies of energy, that our lives would move from chaos to music, now, hope, hope is really hard to nail down. Mike asked me to speak on hope a while back, and I didn't answer him right away. Uh, this word is complicated. Hope shows up now with us because something else is not with us. We see it arrive when something is missing, something not yet, in the future that's unavailable or unknown when we're unable to see something ahead, this darkness or vacancy that is created becomes a place where hope seems to show up. I can't see the future. There's this unfamiliarity with it. We're in the dark on how our lives will go next week, next month, next year. And so we do our best to carry on and these things happen called expectations. These things happen called desires dreams, 
plans. How will things go? We can't see how they will go. We're essentially asking, am I going to be okay? We spend a lot of effort convincing ourselves that the answer to that is obviously yes. It will be okay. We arrange our context, our mind, we collect and consume and soothe ourselves to the point where, if we're honest, we actually don't need hope. We're just fine in this moment, which is under control. We feel good. And then that feeling fades and we work to replace it. There's this vacancy of knowledge. We can't see how our career will go, how things in our family will go, how this struggle or challenge will play out. And so we go into these tense postures. We tense up. We go into flexed positions, grabbing onto whatever is around to try and feel like we have this sense of control so that the unknowns don't overwhelm me or so that I don't look weak to those around me. And in our fear and anxiety, we tell those around us, I got this. Don't worry. And I think we miss something, maybe even hope itself, when we're not honest with ourselves about our surroundings, when we don't acknowledge that it's actually a little bit dark here, that I can't see ahead, and that scares me. Actually, it terrifies me. Despite how hard I'm flexing, I can't control how things will go. I'm powerless. What if hope requires us to engage ongoing rhythms of letting go, to stop flexing, to hear nothing at all about how things will go in my future, but just silence, engaging an off position, a recessed, bowed state? What if hope doesn't come from praying over my lists of expectations, which can often become another way I subconsciously tell myself that I'm in control of my future, but it comes when we identify and name the vacancies in our life. We sit in the stillness, in the reality of them. We embrace it. We stop resisting it. When does hope show up in us for wanting spring to come? It's in the dead of winter. It's when we say to each other, man, it's cold. Why, why is it so dark all of the time? And hope for warmer days happens when we finally get fed up with the cold and identify it. We say, why do we live in Minnesota? <laughs> hope seems to grow in vacancies. Now, side note. Actually, a big side note. I'm talking about this artist who makes patterns of on and off, night and day, growth and rest, and finding ourselves in those patterns. I think it's extremely important to recognize that we live in a broken world. There's a vacancy, a loss. You lose your job. You're going through some unreal challenges. Be very slow to attribute, to attribute God's hand to having caused or created that. The world is broken, not flourishing as it could. There's this lack of shalom. There's a lot of unseen energies and components to a context of free will. But what we do know is that in any 
context we find ourselves in, in any context we find ourselves in, that God is with us. There's this energy for us. There is this unfailing love which grows new things from vacant spaces. The dictionary talks about hope. I think this is important to note. The dictionary says to want something to happen or be true and to think that it could happen or be true. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. A goal, a plan, a dream. I have high hopes, it's optimism, a confidence and possibilities. And we cherish a desire with anticipation. We cherish a desire with anticipation, the chance that something good will happen. I hope for a promotion. I had a client uh, a couple of years ago um, tell me they're going to give me a bonus by the end of the year. Uh, we engaged this packaging project together, and um, their budget was lower than, than what the time was going to be. And I, I said, all right, I'll bring the price down. Let's make this happen. And so they came back after everything was said and done. They said, uh, we want to give you a bonus by the end of the year. We realized you brought your rate down, and now we're getting into all these grocery stores that we couldn't before. And they're saying it's because of the packaging. So I started to chase this carrot. Okay, December, nine months away. It's coming, it's coming. I see that carrot. I kept walking after that carrot, dangling on the stick in front of me. Get to the end of the year, they didn't send it. I thought, well, maybe they meant a 12-month block. Okay, I got three more months, I can wait. Chase the carrot, nothing. It's been a couple years, never happened. Never gave that bonus. They took the carrot off the end of that string and just chucked it into the woods. And birds flew up. And the cat was like, ah! I was going to eat that carrot. I had plans for that carrot. I was going to use that carrot to put food on the table and then listen to my kids whine about how they won't eat carrots. <laughs> we have these life experiences where things are not going the way they ought. Things are not going the way they should have. And hope becomes this thing where we expect things with varied levels of confidence. It might happen. It might not. But it should. That's what they said it would, but it might not. It should, but it might not. Sometimes um, things go like they ought to. Other times they don't. For the most random reasons or no reason at all, they don't go like they ought to. I can't see my future. It makes me uncomfortable. It creates a vacancy in not knowing. We're here. We have these definitions of hope uh, in our head from English class back in school, and we have our fears. Life is good, but life is broken. It's easy to find ourselves living a version of hope that is this anxious optimism. I'm kind of optimistic, more so some days, but I'm also really anxious. I'm both. And in that anxiety, we tense up, we ramp up our power, we flex, we look to ourselves for a sense of control to bring strength. 
Psalm 33, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. We wait in hope for the Lord. And I'll be the first to say that I am constantly manufacturing self-made hope all the time. It happens. It might be unavoidable with how intense our days are, with all the moving parts, all the demands, the lack of margin. We're human. But if the only way I experience a sense of hope is through myself flexing somehow or controlling my environment, that won't last. When I look at my unknown future, a balance is needed. Of engaging our responsibilities and our roles, holding that, and at the same time letting it go. It's a paradox. One of my good friends, Dave, told me this line as we were talking about work, family, and life. He said, Jeff, today it depends on me, and I am surrendered. It depends on me, and I am surrendered. He was reading Martin Buber at the time, was the author behind this concept, this, this paradox that we need to hold intention. It's not letting go of the fact that my kids need me to get in the car and show up to work, to stay engaged. It's this idea of staying in touch with my fragility. It's something much larger, sustaining everything that actually I'm unable to save. Despite my great strength and my perceived sense of control, I cannot save. It cannot save. My hope comes in letting go, releasing my need to know how it's going to go, releasing my need for things to go a certain way. There is a strength when we get in touch with the reality of our powerlessness. We recognize that I can't see when we say, you know what, it is a little bit dark in here. To accept it. To be okay in it. I think it's important to point out that hope is not just for the stereotypical uh, dark, down, sad state. Life can be going great. Things can be going well. And life can be hard. But in both those states there is still this inability to see ahead. That vacancy exists for both those states. Will things keep going great for me? Will things ever go great? In both states, we don't know for sure. And hope fills the vacancies. What if prayer is a place to truly let go and to sit with God in our vacancies? stop flexing for control, to stop trying to make the anxiety and worry go away with convincing God of something or convincing myself of something. And it was about quiet space to acknowledge I'm both powerless and okay. What if prayer was less about bringing our anxious optimism over potential outcomes, telling God our expectations for how uh, the future should play out in my upcoming job, wanting outcome B to happen, not outcome A, and 
and more about just sitting in the silence, building a deepening trust with the one who provide energy and abundance for me when outcome C and D happens anyway. Romans 8 says, in, in all things, God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In Isaiah, Isaiah 43, God is saying, See, I am doing a new thing. It's springing up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way. I am behind brand new things springing up in unlikely conditions. Outcome C, outcome W. Look at this tree branch. Things show up. Buds start to reach out from the main line. On-off expressions. Expressions, extensions, and rest. And there's these possibilities. These extensions emerge with, with a goal and an apparent, apparent direction to them. And everything would point to these just growing just fine. But there's weird weather. There's this potential and there is this sense of being fragile. Sometimes these buds go straight out. They branch effortlessly with life and energy. And sometimes they just don't do anything at all. They don't fully extend. And what could have been just doesn't. Just doesn't extend in a fragile world. Sometimes there's no answer for it. That's usually the case. There's just no answer for it. It just doesn't branch out. That one extension, that dream, that goal, that plan, that desire, it just doesn't happen. Am I going to be okay? Will these desires grow? We're optimistic, but we're anxious. We can't see how the future will play out. How will this year go with work? with school? How will this year go in my home? How will these possibilities unfold? And what you see in tree structure is when one of these branches doesn't unfold, the energy and life that would have been used in that shoots into this other extension. You see explosions of life and growth there. That first branch, it was looking like it was going to grow and didn't. It would have been great. It would have been so much life in that. It would have been amazing. It, it didn't happen. It should have. It didn't. It was supposed to happen. It's not going to. And this new energy which shows up and grows new extensions, often... There's these new extensions where they, it becomes the character of the tree. Springing up a surprising and different shape. Standing out and memorable. And in our lives, that thing not growing the way it should have. Outcomes not going as they ought to. That vacancy, that inability to grow, to realize what could have been. And the pain and the loss of that, the suffering of that, it produces perseverance. And perseverance brings this unique shape, this special sense of character. And character produces hope. 
Romans 5. In the death of our vacancy, something unseen comes in. This energy and life rushes in to this, into this, this new thing at hand. And in this new, sometimes odd-looking thing, there is character. This rescue pattern, this resurrection pattern is ahead for all of us in thousands of dry and dark, uncontrollable contexts ahead. Do you perceive it? Hope. This is why I love backup quarterbacks coming into football games. That guy's not supposed to be in there. Him going in really wasn't the, the plan. He's not ready, really. He's, he's not really ready for this. What's going to happen? And we cheer and we root for the underdog. Why? Because that's our life. We're not really ready for this thing we've been thrown into. I'm, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be in here. In this situation? Are you kidding I'm not ready. And the backup quarterback is given the ball and we cheer. Go, go. Because we believe they can win. And it makes for a better game. It makes for a better story. And deep down, we know something bigger is telling us that we can win this too. And that a better story is being written in us. What if hope is less about what I believe may or may not happen in my future and it's knowing this God that believes in me? You can win this. You are precious. I am with you. Isaiah 42, I will lead the blind by ways that they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. We are unable to see our future. We are unable to see how we will make it through this challenge we face. We just can't see how it's going to work. It's unfamiliar. It's unknown. As a dad of four kids, trust me, there's things ahead of how things are going to play out that are unfamiliar paths. How in the world? What is this future going to look like for my kids in 20 years? In 40 years, what will it be like for my kids? What will the economy, economy be like? What will, will climate be like, living conditions? Will there be wars or not? We don't know. But in this vacancy of not knowing, I sense hope. God gives life. God gives life. God gives life. All around us, patterns of repeating explosive growth, life and an abundance of energy. A presence behind it all that has made us and says, I am with you. I am with you in one week. I am with you in two weeks. I am with you in five years. I am with you after years, stop being years. In great success and in falling on your face, there's a power that will be with you. And that perspective does something to me. That kind of perspective would make someone want to say, 
There can be contentment in any situation. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all these things. Whether they come my way or not, I can do all these things through him who gives me strength. Do you know that trees are roughly half water and they can sense when winter is coming? They start changing on the inside so that the water won't freeze and kill that tree in the frozen season. They go through this process initiated by less light in the fall. And things start to change on the inside. Membranes start letting water out. They become more pliable and let water outside of the cells. And water lives in between the cells, reducing pressure on the cell walls. And starches are converted to sugars, sweetening the fluids, creating this kind of antifreeze effect. And it goes on and on with more mysterious, really hard to explain stuff that one article called magic. And the insides change to survive this period of rest and cold, and death, so that in the spring, life can continue on. Life wins, and a way is made. From the book of Isaiah, just a few verses from chapter 42 and 43, listen to God's posture towards us. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. The creator of the heavens who stretched them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs up from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. This God says, I will take hold of your hand. Do not fear, you are mine. You are precious and I'm with you. There's an energy and a life available for me. I can forget about it, but it doesn't fade. It doesn't fail. And it's waiting for me when I remember, when I come back home. However things play out this next month, however things play out this next year, the God who designed and sustained everything growing growing around me says, I have enough energy for you in this. I have enough life for you in this. I have enough. I am enough. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So stop flexing. Acknowledge your weakness. Name this vacancy. Name it. Let go. Surrender. There is hope. I want to close with just a couple minutes of stillness. Sit and reflect. I want to read some portions of scripture over you and just make space to sit still. The band will play something behind this time and after a few minutes, the band will start to sing a song over you. Just let them sing the words in this one. Just receive that gift. I invite you, if you're comfortable with this, to just simply close your eyes, block out the distractions around you. I invite you to take a couple deep breaths, life in and out. invite you to hold your wrist or your chest and find that pulse, your heartbeat, this pattern of flexing and resting, flexing and resting. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. 
The Lord is good to all. His compassion on all he has made. And the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their, their food in, in the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The scriptures testify to this presence, the spirit of God who says, I will be with you. I am doing a brand, a brand new thing. I am making a way. I will lead you in ways you have not known. I'm working for your good. I will take a hold of your hand. I will not forsake you. It depends on me. I am surrendered. It depends on me. I am surrendered. May you wrestle with that tension the rest of your life. May you find time this this week to go on a winter hike, sneak away from the rush to find vacancies, to create space to see, to understand, and to be. May you find yourself captivated this year by the pine needles on the Christmas tree. May you find hope this month in the not knowing, in choosing to not flex your power, engaging vacancies, and being okay in them because you're trusting something bigger something providing this pulse of abundant life, the God of life, death and resurrection, Jesus. Grace and peace. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.